Welcome to Brainstorm Decoding Depression, where we will dig into discussions about mood disorders. We are here to change the way we think and talk about depression in an accessible, approachable way with a leading expert in the field. No topic is off limits. Coming to you from Dallas, Texas, this is Brainstorm. The opinions expressed are only our own and do not reflect those of UT Southwestern, the O'Donnell Brain Institute, the UT system, or the state. Hello, and welcome back to Brainstorm Decoding Depression. I'm Katherine Forbes, and thanks for tuning in. In a previous episode, we spoke about youth suicide prevention and school-based programs. Dr. Jennifer Hughes joined us and spoke about her research with Dr. Trevetti and their work together implementing the Youth Aware of Mental Health program in North Texas schools. And today, Dr. Hughes has been kind enough to join us again to discuss the Texas Youth Depression and Suicide Research Network, or the TXYDSRN. If you haven't yet listened to our episode on youth suicide prevention, Dr. Jennifer Hughes is an associate professor, licensed clinical psychologist, and head of the CDRC's Risk and Resilience Network. And of course, Dr. Trevetti is with us as always. So Dr. Trevetti, what is the YDSRN? It is the Youth Depression and Suicide Research Network. And it is a consortium across all 12 medical schools in the state of Texas. And the goal for us is to stand up a research network across each of the medical centers in the state of Texas. So like all Texas projects, it is huge and it is unprecedented. There are no similar models in this country currently existing. What our task was given to us by the state legislature was to stand up a research network that encompasses all 12 medical schools so that none of the regions in the state are left behind. And each of the medical centers is part of our consortium where we are training, certifying, and, and more will we'll talk about it. But they, each of them will stand up to do the same kinds of research projects that can improve the health care for youth with depression and suicide. And before we go further into that research, tell us why Texas was a great place to establish this. Yeah, so this work is particularly important in a place like Texas. First, we know that in the U.S., we have seen youth suicide rates increase at attempts and deaths over the last 10 years, and that's a problem in our country. Texas is a particularly great place to study this because, one, we're a big state. Uh, we have a lot of children and adolescents that live here. Two, we're a very diverse state. So we have urban areas. We have rural areas. We have a lot of suburbs as well. Um, we have a lot of diversity in our state with people who live here. We have some people who recently moved here. We have um, people who maybe are first or second generation U.S. citizens here. So there's a lot of different parts that we can study to understand questions that could really help kids across the United States. Texas is a nice microcosm in that way. Depression is, should be seen as a childhood illness. Mm -hmm. Most people who have depression will have had their first episode in their teen years. Yep. Unfortunately, it takes 10 to 12 years for the first diagnosis to occur. So for us to really solve this problem, we have to approach teens and young adults and change the way their diagnosis is made, their treatment is implemented, and we need to be doing much more for this population to reduce the rates of depression, suicide, but also understand how we can improve the care for even adults. 
And I think that's particularly important in our state, given that diversity I just referenced. We have a lot of places where there is not much access to child psychiatry, for example, or to some of the types of evidence-based care that we know can really help with childhood depression and suicide. And so part of this exciting research is really just understanding what is being done across the state when it comes to measurement-based care, to early detection and identification, and to outcomes over time. And what for this project, what we are doing is each of the regional centers are identifying kids who have depression or have suicidal thoughts or, or behavior and are enrolling them in a research project, but we are not doing any experiments with them. All we really want to do is study how they do over time, mm -hmm. improve the care that they're getting in this setting so that right now the care for depression is not as good as we would expect. In our research network, we take great pains to ensure that all the kids going through our research network get the best care possible. And tell us more about how all of these people and all of these different centers across the state of Texas organize their research, how they, how they conduct all of it with so many children. I will let Jenny uh, chime in because Jenny has been leading our effort with a lot of our staff to actually do that very thing and think of where we were when we started. A lot of these re medical centers were not actually engaged in this kind of research. There was no infrastructure there. They did not have the training, the certifications, trying to develop very well-organized protocols. So Jenny and our team, we really started and, and let her chime in to how that this was accomplished. Yeah, this was a really exciting opportunity to have some true collaboration across the state of Texas. As Dr. Trevetti mentioned, we have our 12 health-related academic centers, and they serve as the nodes. And then the UT Southwestern Center for Depression Research and Clinical Care is the hub. And our hub team really worked to collaborate with the teams at these different locations to understand how research was being done. To Dr. Trevetti's point, some of them had no research infrastructure whatsoever. They didn't have IRBs really going at that point. And an IRB is an institutional review board, which um, sort of oversees the proper conduct and ethics of research to make sure our participants are protected in ways that they need to be. And so we had to work with those different institutions to understand their IRB processes to help them kind of run through ours, and we were able to do that. And then we had to really develop protocols to train up coordinators and how to conduct this kind of research and how to do recruitment and the informed consent process and data collection and management. We also had the opportunity to train assessors across the state and how to do these research based diagnostic assessments to really understand the kinds of depression our youth were presenting with, the symptoms, the course, um, their recent suicidal thinking and behavior, and then also to understand a bit about the trauma that they've experienced over time. To Dr. Trevetti's point, we're not providing inter any intervention over the course of this project. We're really just following these youth in what we call a registry format, mm -hmm. and they'll continue to meet with us and do self-reports about things ranging from their symptoms to resilience to the kinds of stresses they experience over the years and the kinds of treatments that they receive. So we'll really be able to look at treatment across the state, but also the course of treatment, the outcomes that they have. And to Dr. Trevetti's point, we really are working to improve their care as they're in this project as well. Anybody who has had somebody in their lives, a teen who is uh, struggling, has felt the pain of not knowing what to do. There is a huge gap between how medical care is delivered and how mental health care is delivered in the state. Mm 
-hmm. And that gap is as big as the Grand Canyon. And mm -hmm. we have to change it so that mental health care is seen equally on the same footing as medical care. People, teens, and more importantly, them and their families suffer tremendously because there is a lot of stigma, there's a lot of fear, there are no formal routine processes to deliver the best care. So one thing we will accomplish through this research network is that all these 12 places will be delivering the best possible care for their kids who go to the research network. So this research sounds like a lot of work and a lot of hands involved, and I can't imagine the the work and like the sleepless nights that went into creating that infrastructure. So one point on that is thousands of teens are participating. Hundreds of people across the state have been trained and certified by our team. And uh, it is actually a privilege that all 12 medical schools are actually very actively playing uh, a big part and we have a collaboration across all 12 medical centers, which is unheard of. Mm -hmm. And it's been exciting to see through those collaborations the future opportunities we could have with a network like this. We've been approached by some of the participating nodes to think about different grant applications, to ask other questions related to depression and suicide. And so I have to think that the work we've done to set this up is going to have long-lasting benefits and we'll be able to really do more to better understand this problem in our state and then to come up with solutions. How to figure out where to get diagnosis, how to figure out where to send somebody if you know someone who has a problem, how to make sure they're getting the best care, how to monitor their outcomes, how to engage families, how to educate the community, how to educate, do this in schools. All of those questions will be addressed through this research. Network. And as Dr. Hughes mentioned previously, there are so many different kinds of communities in Texas. There's suburban areas, there's urban areas, rural. How do you address all of those differences in your work? I think that has been both the biggest uh, task for us and also the biggest opportunity because we other often end up in doing these stu studies in urban areas and metropolitan areas and and populations in rural areas in uh, minority areas get ignored. This project actually is designed to not actually engage in that kind of avoidance. So therefore, rural areas, areas are UTRGB, our partners in, in the Rio Grande Valley are partners with us. So we are actually engaging this work throughout the state that involves all the regions of the state. And the collaboration has actually allowed for us to benefit from the researchers across our state who do this kind of work. So you spoke about UT Rio Grande Valley, for example. We've had the benefit of working with some of their leadership to look at measures of acculturation, to look at measures um, to help understand the experience of some of our immigrant youth in the state. And so in designing the measures for this registry, we were really thoughtful about including measures of the social determinants of health to understand how things like housing and food insecurity impact depression over time, but also to understand some of those other variables that might be driving the problems with access to care or some of the problems with addressing youth depression properly in some of these places that are maybe less, you know, well understood. And share so, with us some of those differences before we head into the impact of this research. What are the differences that you have found, um, for example, in Rio Grande Valley and Dallas? So the uh, main issues that really struggling problems are access to care. Right. There's very few mental health specialists in a lot of regions in the, in the state, and so we, our project is designed to really 
make seamless support for places where they don't have enough mental health specialists. There is also different ways of assessing the reasons and the associated problems when people are experiencing, kids are experiencing depression. So like Jenny said, the way you ask questions, the types of issues, that social determinants of health that you should be aware of, without taking care of that, depression is not going to get better. Very similar to what we do in diabetes and asthma in other medical illnesses. My main only dream in the, about all this is that we have to change so that mental health is seen on the same level as medical health. Because until we deal with it as separate but equal, it is not getting equal care. Mm -hmm. And we have to change it. And that's really what this project is designed to help with. Well, and, and to that point, you pointed out that difference in access to care that we often see. And, you know, access to child and adolescent psychiatrist is a problem in our in our whole country, but it's also particularly a problem here in Texas in those rural areas. And I know a lot of your work in the past, Dr. Trevetti, has been about engaging primary care practitioners in this problem of depression because I say all the time that if we have for everybody who has a headache, we've been looking for a neurosurgeon, we would have a shortage of neurosurgeons in this country. That is what we do with mental health. As soon as somebody has a mental health problem, we want a psychiatrist or a psychologist to take care of it. And in general, pediatricians and family pr practice physicians take care of many more complicated things. They sh are able to, they should be able to, and, the, and there are very good gu guidelines that we can provide to primary care. And as Jenny mentioned, we've done a lot of work with pediatric practices in North Texas where they're routinely taking care of depression in their practice. Yeah, so that's been an exciting part of this project in working with institutions across the state. We've been able to really advance some of those measurement-based care practices uh, to engage other kinds of providers in addressing this public health problem because if we only leave it to psychiatry and psychology, we're not going to be able to make the kind of impact that we need to make. And so um, we have phone calls and trainings where we give information about some of the state-of-the-art treatments for depression. We help people think through how they might screen routinely in their practices, and we support those efforts uh, through the research infrastructure that we've developed. Again, talking about depression should not make us depressed. Mm -hmm. We have excellent treatments already available. I think the gap is trying to use those treatments, and it don't, doesn't have to be medications. There are many non-medication-related treatments available. The trick is to get that implemented in practice and use thoughtful measurement-driven care so that you are actually monitoring what is happening so that you change treatment when that is not working. And that is the measurement-based care approach that we have implemented in this protocol. And I know our listeners might have heard the episode on the Lone Star Prize and the Vital Signs 6 initiative. So what? tell us the difference between the Texas YDSRN and those other efforts. So that we need many approaches to try to solve the problem. This is a huge issue, and therefore the Lone Star Prize addresses it directly through health systems. This project is designed to actually work through medical centers across the state and partner them with their primary care and, in addition, also answer the relevant questions of who gets better with what treatment so that we can actually stop this trial and error process that we are going through. And that's what the registry is helping with. And that is, is what with. the registry for this study is helping with. Exactly. Great. Well, it sounds like there should be a huge impact from this. Tell us what you hope to see in the next few years. 
stop dealing with depression as if it is some kind of a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. The, what we are going to find from this project is exactly what we said. We will be able to define what treatments work best for what group of patients, what group of patients for whom we have to worry that they may have a longer-term illness, what group of patients we can say they have a short-term illness, and also figure out what are the best treatments for each group. And you mentioned that the state legislature was involved. How did that come about, and did you approach them? What is their role? The state legislature always is uh, mindful of the needs of our community, and this time they actually, thankfully for us, they recognize the importance of dealing with mental health issues in children. And so they are the ones who actually initiated the credit goes to the state legislature for thinking about this, putting some resources to it, and engaging us and all the medical schools in the state. All right, well, these sound like wonderful efforts. Before we go, tell us how someone can become involved in these efforts, whether it's the patient registry or providing any other kind of support. Yeah, for this particular project, we do locally have a UT Southwestern node. And so people who are receiving care in the clinics that are partnering on this project are eligible to participate in this work. Of course, if anybody has a question about how they might more directly participate, they can contact us through the CDRC website to learn more. And each of the medical centers will also have their own outreach in their communities so they can be approached directly. So if you're living in El Paso, there is a medical school there, Texas Tech Medical School, uh, with uh, Dr. Sarah Martin, and their their infrastructure can help you if you're in Fort Worth, UNT Health Science Center with Cindy Clausen and a, couple, a lot of our colleagues there. They do fantastic work. So any region you are living in has a medical school that you can approach in order to participate. More importantly, you, you can get information about this on the website or through CDRC website. So... For our listeners, when can they expect to see this impact? Is it something that they'll witness down the line, or are there things being done that you've noticed this research has contributed to children's depression? Yeah, so certainly down the line, there will be a lot of big findings, and we'll be able, again, to help understand what care looks like across the state and what the trajectory of depression and suicidal thinking and behavior really looks like in our youth in Texas. But we've already seen some real-time impact of this research. As mentioned, we've been partnering with primary care providers, psychiatrists um, across the state to really refer their patients to be part of this research participant registry. In the registry, we get a lot of measurements of things related to symptoms and uh, suicidal thoughts, for example. And we had one case where one of the psychiatrists at one of the nodes reported back that after seeing her participants' research data, she recognized that the youth really was having some suicidal ideation that hadn't been reported in the session and was also reporting some side effects of medication that just seemed to, you know, be bothering that kid to the point where sometimes he was missing some doses. And so that was really important information for the child's provider to be able to talk to him and to talk to the family about ways that they could address those side effects to make um, him more likely to take the medicine, which we know if you're going to treat with medicine, you got to take it for it to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, But also was really able to do some crisis planning around the suicidal thinking that that teen had been experiencing and helping to engage the family in ways to keep him safe. And in this case, they did decide to change the level of care based on the data that was seen through the research project. This is a really unique registry and that we do have as part 
part of the informed consent process, the opportunity for that data to be cross-shared. And we provide our providers who refer with clinical dashboards so that they can make use of that research data to make more informed decisions about care. That's wonderful. And I know that the psychiatrist and the teen's experience and um, information will be so useful to the future efforts. Oh, definitely. That that psychiatrist now speaks very highly of this research and really encourages other providers to be involved and refer their patients for that very reason. Great. So you can find more information about the YDSRN at tx-ydsrn.swmed.org. If you are struggling and are in need of emotional support, please seek help from a physician or mental health professional. Remember, you are not alone. You matter. If you're worried about yourself or someone you know, or you need some support, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. It's free, confidential, and available 24-7. Well, that's it for this episode of Brainstorm Decoding Depression. Thank you for Dr. Hughes and Dr. Trivedi, as always. Um, I have no idea how you keep track of all of these acronyms, but these seem like wonderful efforts. And I know that our listeners are excited to see what happens with this and to witness the impact of your efforts and research. Be sure to follow us on social media at UTSW underscore CDRC so you don't miss our future episode announcements. If you have suggestions for topics or questions you would love answered, send an email to decodingdepressionpodcast at utsouthwestern.edu. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.